Welcome. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a podcast constructed to enrich our tech community by connecting some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I am Christopher Asbridge, and I help connect businesses with talented freelancers, and I will be your host. Welcome to another installment of Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today here I am um, joined by Daniel, um, G and Pa. Um, we're here to discuss setup, um, or the right setup of competence within the team in the most dynamic way. Before we kickstart and go into a bit further detail, um, let's work our right way around the room uh, for some general introductions. Uh, first of all, Daniel, can you start, please? Yes, sure. So my name is Daniel Jortam, and I live here in Stockholm. I'm currently working for Telia, and uh, I'm the head of uh, product and technology in Division X. And uh, I have um, been working for Telia for some years now, and uh, I've also have a history of uh, working with startups and uh, done different things during my life, even though I've been working with sort of digital uh, development and evolution on my working life. I'm 50 years old and I have two kids or kids. They are 17 and 18, so maybe not kids anymore. Yeah, it's when they hit that age, they go, oh, they're going to fly the nest soon. So the, the childhood sort of goes away. All right. OK, awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for the introduction. Um, she will come to you next. Do you manage to introduce yourself? OK, yeah, my name is Xi and uh, I'm tech background. And uh, previously I started in Cotejo and uh, then worked in Microsoft Norway for a while. Then moved back to Sweden and uh, worked as a research in Swedish Institution of Computer Science. Then after that, I worked in Ericsson and on the mobile uh, payment solution and messaging. Then after that, I started my own consulting company and uh, mainly work for different uh, startups like uh, in the different area like uh, VoIP, EdTech, mobile ads, media, and the marketing tech, fintech, and the health tech, all different kinds of startups uh, over the past uh, 15 years. And now I'm working a startup called Brave, and I'm the head of the engineering. And we are developing the most advanced ICBT based solution in the world. And uh, we just raised the 23 million NOC from the Norwegian Research Council to develop an AI-based uh, mental health uh, uh, assistant together with the Kotejo and the Oslo University. And we have been like, just uh, been ranked as the best in class, the app, in terms of the uh, mental health by Norwegian uh, the Public Service Authority. So we got the highest score in terms of robustness and uh, security and uh, effectiveness. Yeah, so basically <laughs> I'm a startup guy. Okay, awesome. It, it's great to hear that as well. I know mental health over the last couple of years has become a massive issue um, and it's getting addressed uh, fantastically. Um, so again, thanks for your, your introduction there. Um, and last but not no least, least, um, part, do you mind if you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Christopher. Yes, so my name is Per Olsson. I work as a manager, senior manager at Bosch in Lund. Uh, <clears throat> my career, I started uh, many years back in the uh, telecom industry. Uh, worked here in Lund at Ericsson, Sony, Sony Mobile. Uh, six years ago, I 
teamed up with other guys, uh, joined Bosch when we started up this office here in Lund, uh, basically from from nothing. Um, still a, a startup, but of course with the some some capital secured, but we had the big Bosch group behind us. Uh, we we started actually in, in one of my colleagues' living room, and uh, today we are 240-ish people working with uh, mainly software. Uh, for automotive or anything that has wheels on it. Um, so I've been, uh, yeah, my career has been yeah, product lead and also managing different teams, starting up, changing teams. Um, uh, yeah, and then, um, yeah, family, two kids, a bit grown up, uh, wife, and I live here just outside north, north of Lund in southern Sweden. So, yeah, that's me in short. Okay, fantastic. Again, thank you so much for your input there, part. So now we've established the context of each other, let's move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question or statement that I've asked you to bring, and what we're focusing on today is how to set up the right competence of a team in the most dynamic way. You all have a background within this, so it'll be really interesting to see where this conversation goes. Um, so let's start the conversation properly, and we'll go to par first. Um, now, Pat, you, you came to us um, and you came to me and said, listen, I want to talk about what are the key differences between a dynamic team and a non-dynamic team. Following that, um, what are the basic factors that they need to be in place to enabling a team to start their journey becoming dynamic? Um, so, can you, do you mind if you just describe that a little bit more and explain it a little bit more for me, please? Yeah, I think I think the, the subject is very interesting, but also what Sometimes also what, how to define it, what's, what do we mean by a, a dynamic team? What's the essence of when, when, when do they see themselves as being dynamic or when do others perceive them as being dynamic? Uh, and then also, yeah, what are the basic factors that would be needed? Of course, competence, of course, they need to be competent, but there are different aspects of competence. And uh, how does that play into enabling a team becoming dynamic technical competence domain competence also yeah you have the the software aspect social skills and all that and uh, so this is something i would like to yeah discuss with you guys to see what's your thought on this and uh, then of course yeah the competence aspects of creating a dynamic team uh, and also perhaps what what would disable a team or yeah from being dynamic what could and we are see we I know we also have some good questions that coming up later also. But uh, so this is where I, I come from. Yeah. What do you think on that? What's the key difference between a dynamic team and a non-dynamic team? And what could change them from being going vice versa to from the other to the other? Feel free to just jump in, Daniel G, whenever you like. Just if you've got a question, feel free to jump straight yes. in there. Thank you, Per. I think it was a really interesting question that, that you had. And uh, I would say that it's, uh, for me at least, my experience is that uh, it depends on uh, several key elements uh, to be dynamic. Uh, one of them being, for example, trust. Uh, in my team, it's really important that we can trust each other and that we uh, everyone wants to do the greater good for each other and not leave anyone out. So if you're, I mean, we are all having different roles, but we can step in for each other and help out uh, with our special competences in several ways. So I would say that creating the trust where everyone feels that I'm, I'm not alone here, 
and uh, I will uh, I will help out and I will be helped when uh, things start getting hectic and uh, a, a lot of things to do. Yeah, yeah I, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, she go ahead. Yes. Yeah, trust is uh, definitely one of the key element in a dynamic team. You have to trust each other, and um, but trust doesn't come for granted, right? <laughs> People need to work and uh, earn the trust, uh, and uh, so they understand that their team member can be relied on, and the people should be committed and dedicated, right? So basically, and another thing that they should share some kind of, let's say, common goal. So during the way, I mean, as long as they have the common goal, they, they, they can, let's say, at least uh, uh, trust each other that uh, we are, let's say, uh, on the same path, right? And uh, there will be conflict. Then if we have the uh, share the same goal, then actually uh, you have a very big chance to resolve the conflict. And uh, yeah, something like that. But I think the trust is definitely one of the key elements. And uh, something else is that uh, the commitment. I mean, I've, I've worked a lot with uh, uh, different uh, startups and uh, there are founders who are not committed. They like uh, quit and drop off the uh, boat during the way. And of course, then that will definitely hurt the uh, dynamic of the team a lot, right? So everyone should be very, let's say, 100% uh, committed and focused. So that also can build the trust and the relations. Yeah, I think it, I agree with both of you. I think trust is definitely needed. And then also, let's say, the goal or also the purpose of the team. If you can unite, I've seen when uh, when things change uh, with the purpose, if it's unclear on what, what, do, what are we here for, then uh, Trust, of course, then the, the, the things can change that. That's when the people are in the team can start. Uh, yeah, okay. This, yeah, having thoughts on what, why are we here and what's the what's the meaning of us. So uh, definitely, goal or purpose is also a key element in ensuring that because then you have the common common focus. You know what to, this is our yeah holy roadmap or north star or whatever. But you have a purpose. You understand why you're here. And then, of course, there are so many other things. Uh, I mean, trust is a basic element for all teams, whether it's a technical team or a management team or a, a marriage for that sake. Uh, so that goes for a lot of things. Uh, then you can add on onto that with, uh, for example, courage and the will to explore and uh, and think out of, outside of the box, uh, of course. But um, I think that there are so and and everyone maybe cannot be like that or doesn't have the ability to have the courage to explore all the time at least but there should be a will to do so and uh, if you're not that kind of person you might fit into a team anyway and uh, that's the th second thing I, I come to think of when I think of a, a good team is that there is a mix so every every person every individual have their own profiles and uh, you you might have courage or you might be a little bit shy uh, you might be very technical but you might be outspoken for example uh, but to create that mix and uh, 
make sure that everyone likes to work with each other. Uh, different cultures, different backgrounds, different competences, uh, and and they are interested in each other uh, to work as a good team together. Uh, I think that the variety and the mix of individuals is also very important. Uh, I agree, and what you said there, Daniel, on this with um, interest, not only interest in the the product or what whatever you're working with, but also in each other that you, if you're interested, then if, if someone says something and you don't really, okay, I don't agree, but then you start asking. If you're interested in what the person is saying, then you ask questions to get clarity and then uh, you, you you find mutual grounds and then you have, yeah, perhaps it ends up being a healthy conflict, which is good sometimes, but it, hopefully it, stop, does, it stops before that. But showing interest in the product, of course, or yeah, your domain, but also in each other that you succeed. So uh, that's also a, an important aspect in that. Yeah, I think uh, that's yeah to show the interests and uh, be curious, right? To mm. to the world, and not only technology, but also the domain, the peoples, but also that uh, comes a lot from the personality actually. So if you have a let's say very, I don't know, a gentle personality or curious and. Uh, honest right and uh, don't have a very big ego then actually you can get along with uh, each other easily and uh, the potential conflicts or let's say yeah uh, those are uh, hectic stuff that can be uh, resolved relatively easily because i see in some of the uh, team with a bad Dynamics is like uh, everyone's a star, <laughs> and everyone has a very strong personality and the leadership style. But then they don't agree to each other. It's very hard to manage each other, so it doesn't really work. So I, I think we need to, I mean, in terms of the, uh, I mean, besides the competence, the skills, and we also need to see how the teams can. I mean, be fit to each other. Personality is one thing. Then, yeah, we need some kind of, let's say, leaders, but not uh, everyone should be the leader, right? So, yeah, otherwise there will be a lot of conflicts and, uh, yeah, and uh, strong opinions and the people don't compromise it. And, uh, yeah, that happens sometimes. I don't know what's your opinion about this. I was thinking that she was said cultures or or would dynamic the dynamics of a team be different depending on the culture where we come from. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's like us in the northern Europe. We have we 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 are we reflect certain culture, and I know that uh, discussions at least in southern Europe can be quite much more heated. Uh, but is would that have an effect? I know, of course, I'm I'm all for blending. That's good. But could it also be that we see it differently on what dynamics means when it comes to yeah, different regions of the world or areas of the world? Yeah, it will actually, I think, because uh, uh, yeah, in Sweden, people are, let's say, very equal and uh, the company structure is not that uh, hierarchy, right? Don't, you don't have that many of hierarchy, but if you go to Finland or even Norway or South European, then you can see the differences 
huge, or even go to US or UK or China, right? Then the difference will be bigger. And normally the manager has a very strong position to give the direction and the instructions, right? And, uh, but here in Sweden, people uh, tend to discuss with each other and uh, try to get agreed, right? So we want, we don't want to really push things. I mean, to 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 the let's say team member that uh, he or she doesn't agree, right? We want to this kind of like openness or equality, like something like that. Actually, and it's quite different. And uh, in terms of the good leaders, I think uh, it's uh, there are different definitions. I mean, if we look at uh, the leader in Sweden or the leader in uh, China, right? And the, the leader in China should be more, I don't know, <laughs> more strong opinion, give the direction, but the leaders in Sweden normally try to be like, uh, uh, take care of each other and uh, yeah, try to <laughs> get everyone agreed on something, right? It's more like, uh, yeah, it's quite a different styles actually. And, uh, and the Swedish leaders normally, I mean, the style, I don't think will be actually very much appreciated by some other part of the world, people will consider this style as a weak, right? But the other part of the world, the style, the management style won't be appreciated here. People will think it's a, I mean, it's a bigger egos or something, right? No respections and no openness, transparency stuff. So it's a, a culture definitely plays a very big role here, actually. Do you have any closing thoughts or any more questions you'd like to ask regarding the subject? But I think that, yeah, it's like, as Chiyo said, it's like, um, it might be different how we see dynamics of a team. It might be uh, quite different depending on in which area of the world we are in. It's like, um, I don't want to rush into stereotypes here, but I, I can certainly see that in certain areas, certain northern, Nordic regions of the of Europe, it's like a dynamic team could be seen as uh, very much non-dynamic to someone from Southern Europe or other in the world. So, uh, of course, you need to know where you're at. You need to understand the, the environment that you're active in. So, um, and then the basics of what creating, at least I think we yeah, we share the common trust is, of course, you need that. If you don't have that in the team, you can't go very far. And uh, it's an essence in everything you do, basically also also, outside, if you don't, if you're not working as teams in colleagues and everything, that you need trust. Otherwise, it's very hard to to get anything done. Basically, trust has came up and it is parallel to the team to work the way it works. However, and at the moment in time, we have a lot of teams that are very spread out. Everyone's quite remote. What's the best way to overcome trust and build trust on a team that a team doesn't really interact face to face? Is that an issue? Uh, you mean team work remotely, right? Yes, if we won't work, best trust. That's actually a very good question because we have like a consultant in China, Indians, and uh, in, we have colleagues in UK and uh, Norway, so Sweden, and uh, people often ask, yeah, how can we work more effectively, right? But then I very much like to give an example of those uh, open source projects, how they work together, right? If you look at the 
most successful <laughs> software project. I mean, Linux is definitely one of them. There are 2,000 developers working together to contribute to the Linux kernel code base. Then another example is uh, Bitcoin, right? <laughs> those those, those uh, people work together and build the most valuable open source project in the world. And how they work together? Because I think they share the common value. They believe in it, right? That's the foundation for them to work together. I believe in Web3, I believe in Bitcoin, then I like this project, so I want to spend my spare time, my money to, to contribute to the project, right? It's like a religion or belief thing, right? So you have to believe in it. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's a challenge. There are challenges with working remotely, and if you've never met in person at all, I would say that's a it's a huge challenge and a, a barrier to to be to create the trust and and to be as caring as you are in when you're working in the same room. However, I think that there are so many uh, digital tools that can be used, and uh, working in a technical environment. Uh, I mean, for example, developers. Or working in the technical team, we are used to uh, to have uh, the dialogue and the daily contacts with, through Slack and different other channels. So, uh, I mean, the the awareness and um, the possibility to interact is has always been there, even before the pandemic. So, I don't think that that has changed very much, just because we are now everyone's talking about working from home and how how that has changed our our working life. But I I would say that we we were used to this even three years ago or ten years ago. We were working remotely and we managed to. Uh, uh, or I have examples of where we have managed uh, to create uh, a good working environment and feeling really close, even though we're sitting miles apart. So um, uh, I would say that use the technology and uh, and create uh, the tightness in, in the team. Uh, I mean, as we are doing now, sitting just watching each other, but you can create um, um, breakout sessions, uh, make people um, uh, interact in, in so many different ways. So I, I think uh, that even though I would prefer having everyone in the same room at least once or twice a year uh, to create, uh, I mean, to do the, the workshops and uh, and create uh, the, a common feeling of belonging, uh, it can be done uh, on remote as well. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Sorry, Pear, I sort of stood to the limelight from you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, just more curious to find everyone's sort of opinions around this. Um, You're breaking up a bit there, Christopher. Sorry, oh, sorry did I break up a little bit? Sorry, terribly yeah. sorry. Um, do you have any opinions around the trust and remote working when it comes to your... Yeah. Well, as, as all dynamic team, I think it's like we, as Daniel said, we we were pretty used to this before. Of course, it depends on where you were working. When I was uh, before Bosch, I was at Sony. It was also quite an international company. So we, of course, we met met in person more often, and uh, uh, but we were still used to, yeah, perhaps not the advanced tool that we have today, but we were, yeah. Not, not as often over video, but uh, of course, it'd be uh, telephone conferences and all that. So, 
Uh, now that has greatly improved, it's more, much easier, more, much more available. Uh, and I think we still, uh, we, we have, we were used to it to some extent. And also when it comes to, um, yeah, I'm an engineer. I work with engineers. It might be different in in other uh, in other skills and other that, but it's you you gain trust by working. You can do that. You can uh, and we we can manage uh, without meeting in person. But of course, meeting in person you you cannot take that away. But we I think we have I've seen examples where we yeah, we we are continuing to grow in this site where we are at now. We have hired uh, I don't know more than 50 people during these two years, even perhaps 70, and it has worked. It's not perfect, but it has worked, of course, now. Uh, and also, I guess it's also depending on personality. Some are good as they are. We have had examples where people have actually decided to leave because it's uh, they lack this. Does it, they lack the personal contact? Is it better at their new job? I'm not sure, but uh, um, this excuse that, okay, we need to have a big kickoff. We need to meet in person before we can work. Still good to do that, but I think that the need for that has kind of decreased a bit, and you get more to the point. But of course, I, I, yeah, I miss meeting people. Now we're back to we can go back to the office. Of course, it's more fun to do that, but we can also we can manage. Still, I think so. Still important, but we have learned to manage it. And as Danny said, we pretty much had it before already. But not to this extent that we were locked into our houses basically and we couldn't go to office. Of course, that's a huge difference. So, uh, so I don't know. Always, yeah, I think it's, for engineering teams focusing on produce, that they, they, I think it's they have survived pretty well, pretty okay. I can't say how it has been in other areas, um, but pretty okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's always a silver line to the pandemic, and I think remote work has been one of them. But it's obviously how we build trust around that. But anyway, let's that, move on. Um, Daniel, we'll come to you next. Now, Daniel, you came to me with your question: Is how do you make your team interesting and attractive to attract the most competent and dynamic persons? Now, Daniel, can can you explain a little bit more for me, please? Yeah, I mean that's um, for me. It's always interesting to to hear. Uh, different opinions and uh, what your experience is when it comes to, I mean, attracting the, the right people. Now we've talked a lot about trust and uh, uh, how to be dynamic, uh, but uh, to be able to meet as many um, applicants, <laughs> sorry, we can take that away maybe. Um, but... I'll sort out, Daniel, <laughs> don't worry about the applications you mean, right? Yeah. To be able to find and meet as many applications as possible and to be able to choose and uh, create the the right mix in your team. Uh, I think that you have to be. Uh, it's important to make your team and your work interested and interesting for others. Uh, I don't have I, I don't know if I have that many channels. I mean, this might be one of them, but uh, what you write in uh, in the ad for the job is just text. Uh, so how do you uh, stick out and uh, make a statement and attract uh, the right people? Yeah, hiring is always an issue, right? And uh, I mean, it's uh, I, I also have a very hard time to recruit the uh, top talents, right? And the top talents are very picky and expensive. And just uh, for example, in Stockholm, in Sweden, 
okay, in Stockholm, I think there are lack of 70,000 developers, right? And uh, yeah, basically, we, we, we have to, let's say, uh, still, I mean, if they believe in it, they will join you, right? Someone who, for example, is interested in mental health, right? And uh, then they will look at look around okay that's a thing I'm, i want to do then they do your own, own work actually they reach out to me personally then say okay what's your difference between the mindly or Cree, right and then these kind of people are let's say very much self-motivated right so but uh, there are too too few of them <laughs> so mo most of time i found people through my network the reference it's very important as we said, the trust, right? And I trust my friends and I trust my, the people in my network. Then if they can rec recommend me someone, then I could, let's say, have a, I mean, it will have a very chance to try out, right? And uh, just for example, uh, right now uh, I'm working for Brave and uh, I'm actually recommended by one of Brave's investors, right, to them. And I, I, I'm the first uh, tech people in Stockholm, actually. So it's, um, I think, uh, especially in the early stage, it's all about uh, networks. Uh, this is a very interesting question because we are discussing this daily. It's like, uh, well, okay, it's it would be unfair to compare Bosch with your company, G, but still, it's like yeah. you're not you're not known. But uh, how are we known? It's like we, we challenge if you would see the Bosch brand, you, you have your, you, you know, you think you know what we are doing by looking at, okay, you know, from you see the commercials, you know the products, but we, we also have the challenge of, okay, no, we are not doing uh, power tools, at, not in our site here. We are not doing that. We are not doing Fridius. We're doing advanced software for, for, for e-bikes and for, for automotive. So we challenge that and how do we, yeah, we, we can go to this, to student fairs, we can go to uh, different uh, yeah, markets where we find engineers that are motivated to find a new job. But how do we find those that are not, doesn't know that they are, they are wanted, that they are, they are in a happy place and uh, they, uh, yeah, they are happy with the salary, they're happy with what, what they're doing, but perhaps they, they don't even know that they, they are wanted. So how to how to find them and that's uh, a job bad is a job bad but it's uh, it's you can't it's it's just uh, yeah it's a list of requirements and it doesn't really okay you can read okay uh, but you you want to get to meet the people so often uh, the important thing is to get to meet and talk to the persons and explain what you look for uh, but it's it's hard currently and also uh, yeah especially in the in these days that we are in currently. Yeah, I, and I agree because uh, with both of you, uh, because the network is, of course, really important. And I would like to take the question out of the concept from what company you work for at yeah. the moment. I, I think that it should be a personal um, recommendation or, or something about me as a manager, uh, wherever I work or wherever I'm um, representing myself, that uh, everyone that I've worked with uh, in, well, since uh, all the time, since forever, uh, knows that uh, I'm I'm someone that they would like to work with. 
yeah you need to show the show the candidates or to show yourself that you have the that that what you're talking about that you're doing that you really do it so uh, have the engineers to go out there and uh, reach out to us by showing by example what we're doing and then gain the interests so gain the trust from the potential candidates that uh, what Per is saying is actually true. So he's not just making it uh, colorful and there is nothing behind the scene, but you need to need to gain trust by the candidates be out there. So um, it definitely changed during his, uh, yeah, the recruitment markets uh, going through uh, over the years. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy and now it's it's hard and then you need to find new ways of doing it. But also come back to, I think, yeah, to be attractive and interesting as you, your question were done, you, you need to show it. You need to show that you're doing it by so some sort of trust. OK, yeah, this is actually what they're saying. And yeah. also, I feel that uh, sometimes when we first time to talk to a very good candidate, they always say no, right? <laughs> so we have to sell very hard because I'm technical background and um, uh, at the very beginning, I'm not a very used to sell very hard, right? I mean, we, we tend not to push people, but during the past 10 years, I learned it. People always forget that recruitment is a two-way street and that the employee or contractor, whatever it is, has much as right to come into an interview and say, listen, this isn't for me, as much as the interviewer is to say, hey, no, this candidate is not right. Um, and sometimes it, people do forget that. And then they realize that, that it is a power balance sometimes, but majority of the time it's 50-50 where people can, can walk away and can say, yeah, this is not right. Then it's up to the, if it's happening quite a lot, it's up to the employer to make themselves a lot more attractive um, to the market. That could be anything from benefits to rates to project to technology. There's, there's so many different spectrums to go down. Uh, but it's always interesting to hear what all three of you are thinking when it comes down to this and how to get the right competence into that team and secure them within that team. I think that uh, you can use the term dynamic on that. If you are in an interview situation and you feel that there are dynamics in the interview, then you're on a, on a, on a good track. If the dynamic dies, it, and it has happened because both of us realized that uh, both parties realized pretty soon that now this was not a good match. There is uh, then the dynamic dies and then you say, but then you need to be honest and say, sorry, this is either as the candidate or as the employer, you need to be honest and say, sorry, this is uh, this is not the correct. We, we there's no reason continuing. But you, 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 if you find the dynamics, then it's more understanding what are the needs and it's, it's a 50 50. It's like. Uh, you give a take and uh, is the candidate what you're looking for and also for the candidate is it what he he or she is looking for you have to be honest on that so it's it's kind of a it's it's a matchmaking process and thank you very much for sharing all your ideas uh, and uh, i mean i didn't ask the question because i don't know how to attract the dynamic <laughs> people because i i do and uh, it, it has worked pretty well, I think, during the years. Uh, but it's always nice to share the different uh, approaches and what you think has worked for you um, and, and discuss it. So thank you. OK, fantastic, fantastic. Well, Daniel, it sounds like you're quite satisfied with everyone's results. Let's move on to the next person. Uh, she, you came up next. Um, <clears throat> you came to me and asked, 
how to keep the dynamic of the team when facing changes, e.g. pivot requirement changes or new product line, etc. Now, can you sort of just explain a little bit more for me, please? Yeah, because when we say, okay, we uh, set up a, a team, right, to have a very good dynamics, I mean, uh, it uh, suit for certain, let's say, situation, scenario, right? Okay, that the team is very good on developing the uh, hardware's and uh, yeah, but still, I mean, uh, during during my uh, the my experience, actually, according to my experience, uh, a startup at least need to pivot three or five times before he found the product market fit. So actually, I mean, after one year or two years, at least the fifty to seventy percent of your colleague two years ago already left, right? So we changed a lot. I mean, every three to six months, you feel like a new company. Then there are new people for the new, let's say, pivot or purpose, right, to join the team. And there are all the team members. So we have to, let's say, get used to each other, right? And, uh, and especially during the pivot time, a lot of, let's say, team members, they will feel uh, unsecure, right? I mean, they, maybe they will be replaced or maybe they need to leave because their competence is not needed in the company. So, and during those times, actually, it's very hard to to keep the good atmosphere in the team and because people feel worried, right? So I don't know how you will deal with this kind of situation, actually, to still keep the team work together and uh, uh, deliver things in time but uh, but they know something's changing right like uh, like a microsoft uh, the windows mobile right people understand that there will want to be mobile windows mobile yeah because they fail the competition to uh, ios right apple but uh, still how you keep them because they can work in some area different area in the company as well. I don't know, but uh, it's it's a bit hard, yeah. Yeah, if I might comment that, uh, I think that what you're describing is the, the need for the dynamic team, basically. So, uh, I mean, pivoting and uh, changing the focus and uh, especially in the startup industry, if you start up with an idea that you think is that this is what we are going to market, it might change over time completely. So what you thought was the perfect product in the first place uh, turned out to be something completely different when you ask, uh, when you go to market and you have to change completely. But in a dynamic team, if you if you have that from the beginning, I would say that what proves the dynamic team to be dynamic is the possibility and ability to pivot during those times. And yeah, if you have that from the beginning, you might not be forced to change the, your co-workers. You can stick with them and uh, their curiosity and ability to uh, adapt and be dynamic will help you uh, along the path all the way instead of changing. Because that that's one of the questions I came to think of. Is it better to start replacing persons in the team because you changed your direction or your product change? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, if you work well together and if you have the interest in, in working together and the trust as we spoke about before, 
then you stick together and you adapt to the new situation and and have an output anyway. I I, I really like your answer then and I, I buy into everything you say. I think also it's like if, if you add this, if you add what you said and you have good communication, if you are honest in your communication on what you are and it's totally transparent on that, yeah, things are changing, but the team is not changing. And then it might be so that one of the team members realized that mm, this change was not for me. Then that person can take the decision, but keeping the team together and uh, yeah, requirements will change. It's just a fact they will. Uh, anything else is just to fool yourself. Uh, but if you have a healthy discussion on that and so that you can people trust in you and then you can remove this worry that people might have. Of course, they should be able to discuss it. It's like yeah, you can discuss it and then OK, but then allow people to take their own decisions about it and don't protect them, protect the team from it. Have the discussion with them and then you have a dynamic team that they will adopt. And if they can't adopt, they will adopt to that. Then the persons in that team realizes, OK, my, my competence, either I need to change and then you have trust the team will support that person into change or the person decides oh this setup is not for me so mm -hmm. uh, communication also to that and have the discussion openly where you are at then uh, i think you can create dynam the dyna dynamics around the changes so. i totally agree Perry. thanks for adding that i mean communication and transparency is of course really important my experience is uh, actually that uh, people I have worked with and work with like the change. They actually look forward to the change. That's why we're in this industry, because we like to make a change and we like to be part of the change, build new things. So uh, change isn't always a bad thing or rather the, the opposite. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, thanks for the good answer. So the honest uh, and open communication and the transparent will be the, let's say, tools to handle the changes, right, basically. And, uh, and it and will also create yeah. the uh, dynamic team. Yeah, and, and even if you don't know the, uh, if you, if they're going through a bigger change <laughs> and you don't know the, uh, the, what you then share that, I don't know, share or share what you know. I, I can't, I, I, what I'm saying now, I, I have stolen from someone else, but I can't remember who said it, but it's like to share your current best thinking. This is what I know, and this is what I don't know. And you share that honestly, then uh, people can relate to that and then they, they can decide for themselves. Um, so communication is key here to have a dialogue about it. So, um, yes. It's uh, really good to hear you guys thinking. So thanks a lot. Okay, uh, are, you, are you quite happy with the um, results there? Yeah, I think uh, that uh, will resolve the uh, I mean worries in the team, right? You have to be open and uh, greater than transparent, and that's also part of the trust, right? So I mean the trust not only comes from saying good things, but uh, also to be, let's say, open to each other, right? Because you are trust each other, so you can be open to each other. So that's really good. 
Okay, do, do you find it quite difficult when you're dealing with a startup compared to a large company? Uh, yeah, one thing is that, as I said, a lot of early stage members, they sacrifice for the uh, financial, you know, they are already, let's say, burned out after, let's say, two years. <laughs> to, then now we found it, the old idea doesn't work, you see, then we need to pivot. But uh, I haven't got money, any income for two years, <laughs> right? Then, you know, so a lot of them quit, you see then you have to recruit another co-founder so you see those so it's a slightly different but still i mean uh yeah we need to like, like a passer that we need to be open then let them to make their own decision right so we we we, we know that okay that the product doesn't work we've developed it for a year on your year half now we have to change or we close the company right there is no other choice then yeah, they, 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 they have financial issues, they are very burned out, and after two years dedicated to working, they don't want to continue, it happens, right? And uh, yeah, but we just need to be open to each other, then, then sometimes the separation is not a bad way, but the rest of the team can, who's believing it can still, let's say, work on it, right? And uh, a lot of things happens actually when you, after you, do the pivot, then the company start to fly, right? And um, yeah, now I'm not going to give into any particular examples, but uh, yeah, for example, a gaming company in Sweden, very famous one, very big one, their founders did something at the beginning, okay, it's a poker, but poker doesn't work. Oh, sorry, they, they did the first thing is a casino, right? Online casino, okay, doesn't work, then they pivoted to something lottery done to work then they do something on poker right it's already after three years <laughs> then they found the growth then they all in that one then they build a, a listed company after that but then their original idea the online casino flies after six years <laughs> so it's about timing, but still, I mean, some somewhere of of course left the company, but uh, the rest of team member have to have to deal with that, right? Keep uh, keep, uh, keep 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 the passion and uh, or let's say faith on it. But uh, yeah, but the open communication and the transparency is definitely needed actually here. Again, thank thanks so much. Right, chaps, um, we've finished all our questions. That means it is the end of the podcast. Um, I would like to say absolute amazing thank you. You guys have been absolutely amazing. It's great to hear all your insights on each other's questions. Reach out to me if you're interested in more podcasts in the future. Um, and again, thank you so much for joining. And um, that's concluded. And thank you very much. <laughs>